Hey everyone, <laughs> it's Flex. Welcome to Whatever I Want by Me, Flex. This podcast is a little space I've carved out on the internet to talk about whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want. I want to talk about cognitive dissonance when practicing sustainability. That is right, capitalism's handmaiden wants to talk about sustainability. (laughs) If you're someone who's interested in critical thinking, then you know that every now and then you have to look in the mirror and dissect and come to terms with the fact that sometimes your actions contradict your ethics and your morals. As someone who is at the very beginning of her journey with making sustainable changes to my lifestyle, I'm very in awe of people who are further along in their journey and also the people who are happy to share that it's not all kombucha and scoby and sometimes it can be a little bit difficult. I remember seeing a post um, by Maggie. She speaks often about sustainability in fashion, but in this particular instance, she was talking about how... um, people herself included advocate for cruelty free skincare and beauty but also eat meat and she was reconciling with that fact um and also trying to address her cognitive dissonance in doing so i found her thought process really interesting and she ended up taking it to her audience and seeing if you know they would weigh in on the topic as well and the whole conversation was great Um, And so that encouraged me to reach out to maggie to see if she wanted to speak at length about her experience um with becoming aware of the contradictions and hypocrisy that she's experienced on her journey to becoming more sustainable. So, without further ado, here's Maggie. Of course, all right, so my name is Maggie Zhao. I'm 21 years old, I'm from Melbourne. Oh, I hate describing myself. I would say I'm a a writer and maybe like a fashion Instagrammer, maybe. Yeah, let's, let's stick with that. Um, But I'm glad you brought up this topic. It is quite an interesting one, hey, because I feel like, yeah, I'm quite vocal about uh, fashion sustainability online, but it's quite interesting because, yeah, you're right, I still eat meat um, and it feels hypocritical. um, And I definitely bring that up with my audience because I know people, I get messages about it sometimes. um, So I know people are thinking about it. I want to backtrack a little. When did you start realising that sustainability was an interest of yours? And then when did you start actually sharing that with your audience? What encouraged you to do that? Oh, I've always seen my Instagram as quite personal. So, I mean, not on your level, but I'll share things from my own life or just whatever's important to me. I'll talk about it just because it, I don't know, I like like hearing my own voice apparently. Um, But the thing is, the main switch, because I've been doing Instagram for eight years now, since I was like 13 or something. I know it's ridiculous. But um, at the start of this year, I decided I'm going to stop supporting or working with fast fashion brands. And this was because of the cognitive dissonance I was experiencing. So for those who uh, might not know what that is, that's just when you have, um, when your actions don't align with your beliefs. How would, is that how you would describe it? Mm-hmm. And that really resonated. Mm. Oh, it's almost like um, a self-serving bias where you look at yourself and your behavior through a lens of affirmation and positivity. Like, of course I do the right thing. I'm a good person. And you also project, mm. um, you assume that people around you are doing the wrong thing, but you can't connect the dots 
as to where you might also be contradicting your values and hypocrisy is human nature but i guess Mm. yeah cognitive dissonance is the practice and the theory behind it yeah and for someone who prides myself on trying to be as like real online as I can I felt really like I wasn't being authentic I hate that word but you know what I mean I felt like I wasn't living out the life that I felt comfortable I wasn't really proud with what I was doing I think and I was kind of sick of that so that's how I changed yeah yeah and I guess what is also interesting is that aside from being a person who wants to share things on the internet there's a certain level of accountability that you experience as a content creator where if not for being a content creator I definitely wouldn't I don't feel like I would have been so interested in like critically thinking and making sure that my actions aligned with my beliefs and that I was you know paying attention and I'm more mindful of that because I think that once you build a platform people assume that you're smarter than you are and therefore you are in a position to educate and um, be a beacon of reason and two there's also people who are constantly holding you accountable whether that's consciously or subconsciously directly or indirectly somebody somewhere is like hey like I just you know maybe And three, I feel like there are a lot of presumptions that get placed onto your character. So if you have left-leaning politics, why wouldn't you be like a climate activist? And why wouldn't you care about identity politics? And why wouldn't you do this? And so I really appreciated that you were kind of um, calling yourself in and out and being like, I can acknowledge the like the gap in my like ethics but I'm quite comfortable with that like I've chosen to care about this particular part of sustainability because that's where I feel like I can my efforts are best used but I can still eat meat and enjoy that when you started that thread or that discussion on your Instagram what was your intention with that and what was some of the I guess comments you received in response Mm. I think the particular thread you're referring to as well I was talking about I also brought into the equation people who care about cruelty-free makeup and skincare products but also eat meat I feel like that's quite similar as well and it was so interesting getting the reactions because I had quite a lot of vegan followers who called me out on the hypocrisy but then I saw people that were similar to me so you know cared about cruelty-free makeup but we're still eating meat and hearing their arguments made me feel so stupid because I was like oh god is that how I feel some people were like it was just a lot of misinformation as well they were like oh um the animals don't go through much pain when we eat them like when we through the murdering process and I'm like oh that's just that's just fake yeah it's like oh no slaughter is slaughter exactly so it kind of even brought out more of that I guess cognitive dissonance that I experienced with fashion and now I'm seeing that with food as well kind of um I am comfortable in where I am now like I'm like food is a source of happiness to me I love eating I feel like that yeah, it brings me a lot of joy. And culturally as well, I'm Chinese. Um, I still live at home. So one is convenience and um, food and I guess meat as an extension is culturally significant. It's, you know, it's tied in with tradition and family, which I know it is for a lot of people. But I mean, when I hear myself saying that, I'm like, oh, but that sounds like an excuse. And I'm okay to, I'm okay to admit that <laughs> right now. It's also the hill you're happy to mm. die on as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like this is this is also fine. I I 
want to bring up what you mentioned earlier about um, people wanting cruelty-free beauty and skincare, but also eating meat. And I remember there was a point in time where people were found out that Jeffree Star wasn't vegan, but he is quite um, vocal about the fact that he prides himself on having, you know, a, ve- a vegan and cruelty-free line um, and is always um, speaking quite... Uh, I guess quite openly and at length about how disappointed he is in other brands who don't also do the same. Um, yet it doesn't translate to his personal politics. And I was thinking about how a lot of, I mean, uh, just with like influencership, we kind of blur the lines between personal and professional where because you are commodifying yourself, your personal values become your professional values and vice versa. But in his instance, it's like his company values has aligned so heavily with this way of being because it's marketing. It's great PR. It's great marketing. I'm sure he can afford to, you know, make changes that are positive in that way. But personally, he doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) And I feel as though that kind of... um, uh, that kind of duality is so hard for people to stomach because we've been shown in so many ways it's all or nothing. A lot of our first introductions to people who are vegan is people who are like vegan all or nothing. You know, you don't really get the counter conversations of, you know, I just like do meatless Mondays. It's like, no, like I don't shop here. I don't support fast fashion. I don't do this. Rather than first educating and then changing things in moderation. My friend Bobo, who I do the podcast with, she is um, a vegan and she also hasn't um, hasn't bought any fast fashion for like four years. And with p- people asking her how she did it or like what um, what kind of encouraged her or whatever, she mentioned that she had grown up um, with her family like working in restaurants. So she had always been exposed to like, I guess, a more diverse way of cooking and eating and um veganism or at least vegetarianism wasn't so far from her natural experience so to make the jump it was a no-brainer and then with fast fashion it was simply you know maybe not having money or maybe not even seeing clothes that she wanted to buy and before you know it'd been a couple of years and she hadn't purchased at all and I thought like for a lot of people I mean not for a lot I was thinking about how I hadn't heard many stories like Bobo's, people who weren't necessarily impassioned to do the right thing. They just happened to fall into a lifestyle that was doing the right thing for what is considered right in this time for this social movement. And I was thinking like how much easier it would be for a lot of people if they had access to, I don't know, creators and and thought leaders and influencers, whatever you want to call them, who are quite happy to share, like you said, the contradictions of wanting to do the right thing, but also living under this structure where we exploit animals for funsies and we exploit people so we can get nice clothes and that is just the nature of what we're doing and to not do that is going to take years and years of unlearning and it's so awesome that people can do that in a couple of years or months i think the other thing with social media as well is that we love boxing people into categories like she's a makeup instagrammer she's a sustainable one so we feel uncomfortable when people don't fit into our expectations i will never call myself a sustainability blogger or something i know that's thrust upon me a lot but because i know i'm not perfect Mm. right and i'm just living my life and i think that isn't really afforded on Instagram where it's quite one-dimensional I guess um and people just expect you to be one way Mm. and I guess it is easier I just remember um I sometimes reflect on high school and how like in a lot of ways 
existing was such an easy experience because you didn't really have the range to be multidimensional. And that was really like pushed, um, not even pushed back upon, but it just was like a weird thing to experience. Like if you like sports, go play sports. <laughs> you know, if you like being creative, go do art. And that was the extension of that conversation. Yeah. And if perhaps you fit between you know, either or it was like, oh, okay, you're a floater, like pick, pick your side. And so as you grow up, you see people internalize those ideals. Like if I, if I'm going to engage in it, I have to be in it and of it. I was um, asking the question before where it's like, how many times do you need to paint to be a painter? How many times do you need to make a sustainable choice to be a sustainable person? Is it possible? And is it even worth it? Because I think fundamentally my issue with a lot of, um, uh, a lot of doing the right thing is it's a performance. It's to like placate people around you, placate, placate, whatever, people around you who would be frustrated if you didn't do the right thing. So I know for a fact that I wouldn't have been very conscious about, you know, yeah. what my consumption is, like, I guess the offset of my consumption um, if it wasn't reminded or even taught to me or if I wasn't vilified for it in one way or another, it just wouldn't be a priority. And even if I somehow managed to educate myself, it'd be so low on the list. But suddenly every day I find myself, you know, trying to make smarter changes. And I mean, the other day I was trying to find gingham fabric to make a um, face mask. And I was like, I don't want to go to a corporation. I just want to go to a local fabric store so I can do the right thing. And it's like, no. <laughs> like it's you're buying new fabric. You're yeah. you, like, this is all going to be committed to waste in some way. Like, it's just, what do you want to do? True. So after, <laughs> After you had made that mm. post about um, people who wanted or advocated for cruelty-free beauty and skincare, but also ate meat, as you began to, I guess, be aware, aware of like your internal contradictions or hypocrisy, did you find yourself wanting to make more changes from that time? Did you think to yourself, maybe I should consider eating less meat or going vegetarian or vegan or not something that you were very fussed by? Look, I, it's always been a thing on my mind. Same with the fashion thing. It was, it was playing in my mind for a couple of years before I made the switch, I guess. And you know what? You're so right about, um, I guess, sustainability because it's so trendy. It's cultural capital online. So for instance, if I'm making my meal and, oh, look, I've made a vegan meal, I'm more inclined to post that on my story, if I'm honest, because I'm like... Signaling, signaling that I'm doing something good. And that's just me being blatantly yeah. honest about that. But another thing is I had a really great chat with one of my vegan friends. Her name's Rochelle O, the Rochelle Fish on um, Instagram. And she really kind of... Love Rochelle. She's the best. Anyway, she's so smart. And I love the way she framed it because maybe I'm commitment phobic or something, but the label of vegetarian freaks me out. I'm like, I mm. was really scared about that all or nothing approach, right? And I feel like a lot of people are. And the way she kind of worded it to me was like, it's not a lifetime commitment you're making on the spot. It's just looking at the meal you have in front of you. Like, what are you going to have for lunch? Like, do you need to add meat to mm. that? Or, you know, it's just taking it a little step at a time. And that made me feel so much better. I literally felt like a burden lifting off my shoulders um so yeah it's been a thing that I've been considering and I've got at the back of my mind um the thought that when I move out I'll be vegan or sorry vegetarian <laughs> I love cheese too much right now but um <laughs> whoa 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 <laughs> yeah don't take the cheese don't take the cheese yeah. <laughs> um and I found a lot of great 
meat alternatives. So again, it's that pleasure. I get pleasure from food. I don't want to give that up. So I found ways to substitute that. So it's still selfish, but again, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And I think for most people, the the aversion to making any sustainable change is purely self-serving. Like, I don't want to have to try harder to get clothes that I usually already find an issue getting. I don't want to have to, you know, plan my meals or be mindful of where I go or not have that chicken nugget for fear of whatever. And um, I mean, if you had to if you had to kind of dissect why that is and why it's happened, it's like growing up in like Australia of all places, we're shown and encouraged to be individualist to a fault. You do you for you by you. And it's only from being raised in ethnic families that we even understand the semblance of community. Like I can conceptualize what it is to understand that like my behavior impacts other people only because of being raised in like an ethnic family. But if not for that, (laughs) I feel like I would be even more individualist. (laughs) And so the hardest part of this conversation, and I feel like it it also ties into why I feel like a lot of people are struggling with um, like COVID and and doing the right thing for your neighbor, Mm. is that it's such a new concept. And to really um, conceptualize that you need to Uh, remove some of your luxuries or to struggle or to give up something that you want for the benefit of somebody else who might not even do it for somebody else. So you can't even guarantee a knock-on effect. That is hard to conceptualize because when have we ever done that before? And I guess, like you mentioned, the pressure of feeling as though it's an all or nothing approach. You start to, um, like, if I were to think critically about why I don't want to make a change in the right direction it's all selfish it's all excuses but the alternative is um like trying and failing you know like I think about a lot of my friends who went vegan and aren't anymore for whatever reasons and it's it's a hard conversation to have with people who are like fuck like you were doing so well and you've succumbed or even have you I don't know if um you like you obviously watch YouTube I don't know there are a lot of people I know who like don't watch YouTube so I'm mm. careful to just like throw it in conversation nah, I watch YouTube. Um, but there was a time I would say early this year late last year where so many huge creators were making videos saying why they weren't vegan yeah. anymore it was just all of a sudden everyone mm. wasn't vegan anymore and it was for a multitude of reasons that contradicted everything that they said veganism was doing for them it was making me healthy you said but now it's making you sick you know it was making me feel like I had more energy but now you feel more lethargic and it was back and forth and people were saying that those videos denouncing veganism were probably more dangerous than videos of you saying that I'm just going to slowly you know trickle back or introduce maybe like an egg every now and then because it's the attitude you have towards like Mm. I tried it it didn't work therefore it's not for me and it's not for anyone it's just such an interesting approach to living and I just I mean it's like when you think about when climate change um well when scientists say like if we were going to fix the environment and reverse the changes that we have done we would need to like 180 like today (laughs) like five years ago we would have needed to do all of the things and today we're like oh so i didn't use the straw i'm so proud of myself (laughs) it's like that's not that's not it right Well, with and like with the individualistic society as well, right? I feel like because we can't visually see the massive impact we're having, let's say with COVID wearing a mask or just turning down a meat meal, we just 
almost don't see the purpose and I see that to some extent because like a hundred companies are responsible for like 70% mm. of global emissions or whatever so it's like you know does it make a difference what we do on an individual mm. level so like why can't we have fun while we're here if it doesn't make much of a difference and that's something that I don't know the answer to like I'd never know about that balance mm. you know like it's not our fault and I guess that's why people advocate for like I don't know um like writing letters to company or I guess boycotting companies or I, I guess targeting the companies involved and not targeting the people involved but I don't know. It's the hardest yeah. thing about critique, though, because, I mean, it happens every time, like, a celebrity does something. Let's say a celebrity has said something that's inherently... Oh, look, let's say a celebrity is working for a racist company. Everybody attacks a celebrity, forgets to call the the, the company into account, and suddenly it's mm-hmm. a witch hunt. You're like, oh, no, we're missing the point. And I think... I, I really do believe corporations are hiding behind the fact that, you know, all us, like, individuals are... Like, we're all feeling powerless and, like, doing the right thing is, like, a tool in reclaiming our power. And you see how excited people get when it's their time to call out someone. Like, you're using a straw, you shouldn't have done it. It's like, oh, Mm. you can call out, you know, Unilever. (laughs) How about that? Call out Unilever. Call out fucking, like, (laughs) anyone, someone, Virgin, Qantas. But no, it's the little person. And, um, you know, we're already, um, I guess, in... uh, us the individual in comparison to the corporation we're already outnumbered we're already not taken seriously and we're already fighting amongst each other i mean this is why capitalism works <laughs> we're like doing we're, we're yeah, distracting honestly. from the bigger picture but it's hard to because i mean maybe it is as simple as everybody sending a letter but again when you can't see the quantifiable value for your effort suddenly it doesn't seem like it's necessary like, do I have to do the thing if you can't see it? But the reason why I think I am interested in fashion sustainability, so this is going to sound kind of bad, but I don't care about annals that much. Like, no, I do appreciate them. And I think, again, that's a cognitive dissonance thing that we've been trained. You know, I don't I didn't have pets growing up. I think they're cute. That's about it um no that I think I just haven't thought about it enough and I think if I unpack why I think like that perhaps I'm protecting myself if I'm thinking about what's actually happening but let's not get into that right now because um with fashion I think I care about the workers a lot that's my kind of um I don't know why I'm so invested in fashion sustainability yes environmentally but also socially and I feel like when I think of a garment, I can actually picture the person in the factory making it, you know. When you think about turning down a t-shirt, I don't really, I can't visualise the environmental change that I'm helping. So, I don't know. I feel like we need incentives to be better and that is one for me. Absolutely. Mm. And, and that's a big part of the picture that's not discussed because for a long while now, I feel as though people have assumed that with the more education you have about these things, the more you'll feel inclined to do the right thing. Education just gives us nuance to discuss it better. It hasn't really, I mean, for the most part, it, 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 it's a good conversation starter, but it hasn't really translated into positive action. And like you said, culturally, animals to me were food. And it's not even though like we only engaged with animals when we were eating, but I remember going to Ghana when I was growing up and more recently as an adult. And um, I would just see like chickens and goats and fucking 
dogs just walking around like in herds on the street in the city in the village or whatever and i remember talking to my mom being like do you think if i just like took a chicken like who's how come people aren't stealing these animals to eat them and my mom's like these animals number one they know where they live number one number two like having and owning an animal it's like you're herding and breeding and herding and breeding so when the occasion comes like the funeral or whatever you have food to provide the life cycle is to care for this animal that you eventually going to kill and eat there's no caring for the animal Mm. that you're going to like it's going to die and that's it and even that like so having context for how animals are treated culturally i'm like okay that i can see how that makes sense but also growing up it's like yeah animals were food and i feel like because generally people have made the distinction between animals you can eat animals you can't eat like you can't eat dogs but you can eat fucking chickens i thought that was what we were doing and then suddenly come 2014 and it's like oh no we can't eat any of the animals (laughs) it's like but just before it was okay and so again like um anytime i have a conversation with um a vegan friend who um is vegan not like just because but they have a strong tie to animals or the environment i'm like i don't i fundamentally don't care like you care and so in honor Mm. in order for me to understand your perspective i have to be able to see it in a way that makes sense and it's the same conversation about like um injustice or systemic oppression like you can't make people see it if they don't see it if there's no incentive Mm. to see it if it's not their experience it doesn't make any sense and i feel like that's we're at this limbo where when it makes sense to people, it makes sense to only make changes. Mm. But then even if for some reason you're like, oh, it's clocked. I don't want to kill the animals. There's this dissonance being like, well, how do I cook? And then how do I change my lifestyle? And what change do I need to make personally, mentally? And it can be simple, but I think it's hard. It, there are barriers to it. Personal and just like laziness. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. I think it's right. I actually talking to Rochelle again she is one of those people that I asked her I was like hey why did you turn vegan and that was probably like five years ago or something and she was just like oh I just heard about what's happening and I didn't want to do it and I was like whoa like you're so driven by your morals that really um was a shock to me because I think we can always in our own minds be like oh but this all but that and we keep kind of making it okay whatever we're doing um and i think you're right there are so many steps to it nowadays apart from rochelle i don't know many people who who are just like oh that's it i'll stop supporting fast fashion or i'll stop eating dairy or something it i do is it human made barriers probably but yeah we've definitely put them in for the majority of us we're kind of like yeah we'll do the right thing if it fits within our morals like we're not all law-abiding citizens like i'm sure the majority of us break a law every now and then because it doesn't really serve us to do the right thing i'm gonna jaywalk today sorry (laughs) whatever it might be i feel like there um there are so many ways to push the push the line just like push it further out and further out and further out and suddenly it's like oh i'm a wayward being and nothing matters because you know i'm important or i'm or or on the flip side, like there's so much I don't have. Why must I sacrifice this other thing? I thought about like when I went to Ghana and I was looking at like the gutters in the city, they're just like full of plastic bags, just littered with plastic bags. And when you go to any store, you could be going to a store to just get a drink of water and they'll put the water, uh, like the plastic bottle of Mount Franklin in a plastic bag and another plastic bag. <laughs> everything is in a plastic bag everything you know everything no leakage everything is individually wrapped and i was 
thinking about how like the conversation about plastic has not even reached Ghana. It's not going to reach West Africa in a very productive way for years, years and years and years. And I, I was having a conversation with a friend who lived there and she was like, part of the issue is like, whether we're talking about the way we eat or the way we shop, you know, let's use Guardians for an example. They're only just getting their come up. They're only just being able to access the world in the way that the rest of the world is doing it. Should they now stop? Should they now not get a taste of what it is to online shop and get fast fashion and so and so just because suddenly now it's a priority because we in the West fuck shit up for so long. So then you look at it that way, like, fuck, well, can you, maybe you too can get your little come up and, you know, not realize that that much plastic is not necessary. I don't know. Could like lament about it for ages. Yeah, it's like my parents are low income earners. I'm not going to tell them to shop ethically. I'm not going to, you know, like my dad buys the same six big W t-shirts once a year. Am I going to tell him to stop? No. Um, I think, again, there's so much privilege that comes with sustainability in all aspects. And, oh God, the audacity if I ever <laughs> if I ever spoke up in my household about that. Um, <laughs> and I'm so wary of that. And I think there is more discourse coming around, up around that at the moment especially like size privilege but also just financially Mm -hmm. just all of it I think it's not a one size fits all approach pun intended I guess um, pun intended (laughs) so and I think it usually does come from a white lens and almost fixing up our prior mistakes so we've got to almost overcompensate and be better now just so we're kind of it's overcorrecting absolutely exactly yeah, so... Because they say fundamentally, mm. when you're going to, let's say, somewhere in Africa, like, they're, aside from, like, the the insane plastic use, the lifespan of how things are being, you know, used and recycled and really, like, um, uh, appreciated in its final mm. form. Like, we're not out here just, like, fast-fashioning these fucking cows. No, I raised this cow. <laughs> Ten years. This is my cow. I'm going to eat this cow, you know, and I'm going to use the skin. I'm going to make a bag. Mm. You know, all of these things are so mindful in a way that we can't comprehend because we're like don't don't do the plastic thing don't do it i was talking to bobo like what will it would it take for everybody to be on board with the sustainability conversation where it's not safe for like people with left politics it's just a a day-to-day thing and i was like fuck it's gonna be when like a big corporation decides it's cool when like it when every corporation is greenwashing to the max and it's like hey like you know we now use recycled plastic to (laughs) <laughs> to manufacture 300 billion plastic fucking bottles of baby shampoo. Like, that's when it'll be a conversation where McDonald's is like, don't worry, we'll just use glass bottles now. And it's like, oh, okay, thanks, McDonald's. Yeah, no, I think that that's it. That That's what pisses me off the most, though, because greenwashing equals complacency for people. You have, like, that little gold star of, oh, I'm doing good, and then that just makes you, I guess free from what you've done you know and I think that's what pisses me off I actually don't care about like boohoo or pretty little thing or fast fashion brands that own that their fast fashion I hate brands that fake their way into the sustainability arena like just it that pisses me off the most so like like Ganda and like Athens I can't pronounce any of their names but um oh I don't know anyway So I get really riled up about it because I just get so pissed that they're making money off people trying to be better and just exploiting that. I don't know her name, but basically she was like one of those zero waste um, 
sustainability influences and she was she ended up writing a book and like a podcast about how she's that waste free that you know eight years of waste can fit in a single 250 mil jar and there were, she has like a cult following so people were like fuck yeah like i can get into this if you could do it i could do it but also people weren't people were like it's not believable like don't you use condoms like don't you take neurofin don't you aren't you just given plastic and straws randomly like these things sometimes you're complicit before you even know when she built her profile she later on started her own e-commerce website which sold sustainable things right so if you were trying to you know make your first steps into the sustainability sustainable way of living buy from this shop but people weren't kind of critically thinking like, isn't, aren't we missing the point? Like, why do I need to buy new mason jars from you? Why do I need to buy bamboo cutlery from you? And we all have the same stainless steel at home. Why are we now buying more to participate in this, um, you know, in this initiative? And it made me think of this girl I was watching on YouTube who said that she didn't identify. She said that, I forgot what, what phrase she used to label herself, but she says that, I'm sustainable in the way that the environment demands. So if I'm going to rural Namibia and what's sustainable is them killing a, a bison for the village and that's all that's available. And the only way for me to eat vegan is to get someone to ship in foreign fucking tomatoes, then I'm going to eat the bison because that's what's going to be necessary rather than going out of my way to, you know, get someone to jump in a car and all those emissions to get me this lettuce leaf to bring back and I thought that was a smart way of looking at it a hard one to like explain simply but makes a lot of sense yeah that reminds me of a post that was in the Bobo and Flex Facebook group I'm going to kind of butcher it but it was this um woman with her boyfriend both vegans who went to like a pizza shop or something and you know I think she asked for oh gee I'm going to butcher it but basically um she wanted to get like extra like a piece of paper or tissues or something so her food wouldn't touch the meat or something but then her boyfriend was like hey but that's creating extra waste and yeah and the comments were mainly on the boyfriend side when I took a look and I agreed because I think sometimes we're so caught up on like our label of being a like staunch vegan or being environmentally friendly that we don't actually look at the actions and see like and way of the options so for instance um my boyfriend's a pescatarian but uh, for environmental reasons but if someone leaves meat that's going to go to the bin he'll eat that because waste and you know and it's not really an ethical standpoint for him so yeah there's not one right way of doing it as much as people want us to believe Mm -hmm. I think Mm. But I like the well thought out way. I like the intention put behind it. Like, oh, I'm not, I can see how this yeah. might contradict the label that you've assigned me, but this is how I do it for my own reasons. Well, with that in mind, as we wrap up, I know there'll be people listening who are kind of like, okay, enough with the critical analysis. I want to make some changes. <laughs> and I feel like fashion is a is the probably one of the easiest places to start for a lot of people who are kind of like, well, I don't have to buy new clothes whenever I want to but if I'm going to I could take extra steps would you mind giving us maybe Mm. three to five tips or some insight into how to shop or thrift more sustainably when it comes to fashion and just little things that you are now aware of that you weren't necessarily aware of when you first started your transition oh okay let me think so my first tip 
is the best one because it doesn't require any time or well, a little bit of time but it doesn't require any financial investment or anything it's make the most of what you've already owned so look inside your wardrobe because that's probably the most sustainable thing that you can do number two i made this um hashtag hashtag rewear don't care i feel like this it's a bit daggy but i feel like um there's a lot of yeah right there's a lot of stigma around re-sharing clothes especially on re-wearing clothes on instagram and in real life so just who cares? I always say that real style comes from re-wearing pieces. I don't want to see Instagram influencers just wearing one thing once. That's not style. That's just putting on a mannequin, you know? I'm a little bit tired of that. Number three, I think this is a bit different, but I think it's not shaming people who shop at fast fashion stores and stuff. I understand that it is like the only feasible way for some people, you know, who are short on time or, you know, a lot of um, ethical clothing brands don't actually cater for larger sizes. Um, I would recommend that there are a lot of local sustainable brands, especially in Australia, and most of them are made to order. So you should send in your own measurements and they make it for you. I've actually got like a highlights on some ethical brands if you want to check out nice. my Instagram. Um, and because I'm always trying to find new ones and I'm working on like a more size inclusive highlights now as well. Um, but it's bloody hard because it is very much like a skinny focused like industry. I think those are pretty good though. Yeah, good. That's enough. Because I was going to just say op shopping, clothes swaps, that sort of jazz, just keeping things in the circular economy, you know, like when you take care of the locales that you were talking about before, it's like taking care of your clothes, making sure that they're treated with respect, that you're washing them properly and that, you know, you just like elongate their lifespan. But yeah, that's all. (laughs) I get a lot of my clothes made when I go to Ghana, purely for size reasons. There was no, I can't tell you consciously I was doing it for the environment or anything like that. It only so happens that it is like a sustainable way to do it. Um, But you know, when you look through your wardrobe, it's it's a bit different because I'm in like a field where you have to, like you're commodifying yourself. Therefore, it's like you're on TV, you're doing this, you have to get new outfits, it's annoying, whatever. But for the average person who is like blessed to be of, you know, uh, a quote unquote average size and you can share clothes and you can thrift and you can op shop, there are actually a lot of options. And I feel like because a lot of people who got sucked into the fast fashion approach to shopping you likely have a ton of shit you don't want and don't want to wear and um that just sit in your closet because you don't want anything to do with them but I mean like Depop, Facebook Marketplace, thrifting it all exists and like one man's trash another man's treasure it's a cliche but it really is just the greatest thing and I really I couldn't I don't know what it was but my relationship with to Depop was just a bit um I don't know. I was like, does anybody want to wear clothes that I've already worn? I think I was just, I was over intellectualizing. It's like, they're not sweaty. You're going to wash them. They're not old to someone who's going to buy it for the first time. And it literally costs you really nothing to upload clothes and to see if people want them. And I also think it's creating the, like creating the environment where that's normal. Because I feel like before thrifting was cool, it was very stigmatized. Like, oh, you need to shop there. Why can't you just shop at the Westfield? You know, similar to telling someone, like, I bought this second hand, or like, you know, I'm, you can have it when I don't want it anymore. Or like, do you have any clothes that you want to swap? It'd be interesting to see if, if that was integrated in discussion, how much easier it would be to like 
get new clothes without buying them. People do that shit anyway. Like, I know some people who, like, borrow their friends' clothes. 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 Just keep them. (laughs) (laughs) And it is true, though. I feel like secondhand clothes are becoming more popular. I interviewed, like, the country manager for Depop in Australia. And, you know, just if you go through TikTok, it's it's cool to thrift flip. It's cool to care about the environment Mm -hmm. with your clothes. So I do think that's changing. But I do understand it's not available and accessible to everyone as well. Um, But, yeah, at least it's an option that's becoming more accepted, I guess. I want to thank you so much for coming on, for having this chit chat. You will now be the first official guest of whatever I want. And I feel like we've started out on a very good, 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 good leg. It's just nice to Mm. hear people speak at length about things they care about. Mm. And not in like a pompous way, not in like an over-intellectualized-y, like let me teach you how to be a better bitch way. Just in like a, this is what I'm into today. Oh, But I feel like we'll have to have a greater conversation sometime soon about the ethics of thrift flipping and also like the ethics of secondhand clothing. Because in a lot of places, it's not that sustainable. I mean, Ghana is one of the biggest um, dumping grounds for secondhand clothing. And Mm. there's just like no place for it there. Locals don't want that shit. So it's just getting its landfill. Oh yeah, I digress. Thank you so much. I hope you have a lovely time in lockdown oh thank you here in robin very fun but thank you again for having me really appreciate it flex can't believe i'm the first guest wow no right this is so sick anyway follow the podcast group oh you gotta drop your ats where can people find you it's at yeah mags which is y-e-m-a-g-z i also just started a podcast it's like a pop culture one with my friend jazz so you can follow us at culture club pod um yeah but that's all for my plugs (laughs) thanks for letting me do that (laughs) plug always all right farewell goodbye all bye-bye amazing